civilians, and welcome to Board With Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for that right balance of coverage for the games you play on your table and your television. You can think of us as the peanut butter cup of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who only has eyes for candy corn when it comes to sugary treats. Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm under the weather, but I'm here. And that's so, all that matters, right? That is what matters, and I appreciate <laughs> you trucking through. Um, are you a fan of peanut butter cups? I am. I noticed this is your second peanut butter reference in, a, right. in as many weeks, so I'm assuming you're also a peanut butter fan. Well, I, I'm a peanut butter cup fan. Uh, peanut mm-hmm. butter and jelly was just an easy one to go with. And, you know, it's, we're <laughs> recording on Halloween, so I figured peanut butter cups made sense for that. Do you have a yes. favorite peanut butter cup, though? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Not necessarily. You know what I do like? I do like the um, the egg ones. Like, oh, yeah. The eggs are big. And then they try to rebrand them as footballs, but basically they're still eggs. And <laughs> Absolutely. All that stuff. I'm a fan of the mini ones out of the freezer. That is my preferred way oh, yeah. of consuming peanut butter cups. So they're excellent. But we're not a peanut butter cup podcast. <laughs> we are a gaming podcast. So thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedbacks, questions, or suggestions, uh, feel free to send those to us at Board with VG on Twitter or check out the awesome stuff we're posting on Instagram, also at Board with VG. Uh, we tag the things that we do with hashtag Board with VG. So please be sure to do that. That way we can check you out on all the social medias and all the awesome things you're doing, and we can keep caught up with you, and you can keep caught up with us. And just remember, that's board, B-O-A-R-D, not the other kind of board, which we never are when we're playing games. So with the housekeeping out of the way, Josh, what has been taking up space on your table this week? Okay, well, sadly, nothing. <laughs> what? No! I know. Isn't that, isn't that terrible? Uh, I, I picked up um, a couple games over the week. Uh, I shared some pictures. Uh, one of them is Unlock, which I'm excited to play. Uh, and the other one is Quest for El Dorado, which looks awesome. Uh, however, I, w- I found Quest for El Dorado because I was trying to get my hands on Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Mm. Uh, I had a... It was... For Barnes and Noble, it was um, double um, discount for the membership, so it was twenty percent off instead of ten. And I also had a twenty percent off coupon, so I was definitely getting something at Barnes and Noble. Uh, and unfortunately, it wasn't going to be pandemic, which is what I wanted. So I looked around, and I, you know, I, I messaged them. Uh, my local one uses Facebook, and I, you know, I messaged them back and forth, and they were like, "Oh, we'll look into it." Oh, it doesn't look like we're carrying it at the moment. Yeah, you my can get it online. Either. Yeah, it looks like they said November third. So. Oh really? Um, so at least my local one's expecting. You can order it on their website, right? Um, but the, you couldn't use double coupons on the website, mm. so I knew they were kind of kind of get me on that. So. I, I was gonna. T- I'm gonna. Since it's Halloween, uh, I was gonna talk about. Uh, I'm gonna talk about Betrayal at House on the Hill, which you can get at Barnes and Noble. Uh, I promise they are not a sponsor. I'm just a <laughs> fan. Um, you can find it pretty much anywhere. I think it's. I think it's standardly a forty dollar game, uh, but you can also find it rebranded as Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, uh, which is available everywhere right now. 
which is heavier on the D and D theme. So, uh, but it keeps, from what I've been told, it keeps the same gameplay. And I've looked at some pictures. It's pretty much identically the same game, except the miniatures are um, painted better, and some of the end game is has changed from the game I'm about to talk about. So, Betrayal at House on the Hill is a cooperative game that turns into a one versus all game. Um, if you're fans of one versus all games like I am, uh, the mechanic won't be uh, too different to you except that you don't know who the one is necessarily at the beginning of the game that will be versus all. So the setup is you're a group of, uh, we'll call them characters, that enter this uh, haunted house. Uh, if you will. There's definitely a better plot than how I'm, how I'm describing it. Um, but what you're doing is essentially entering a haunted house. And what what you do in this game is you have pre-labeled tiles. You have a, like a main entrance, you have a basement tile, and you have a um, second floor tile. And you, you want some table space because what you're going to be doing is adventuring through this house and drawing from stacks of tiles to form this house that you are searching through. As you, uh, each of your characters will have skills, um, agility and strength, and they're, they're sorted into four categories. Um, I want to say intellect, agility, strength, and speed are the four. I could be wrong, but they're very similar to that. So your speed will determine how many rooms you can move through during the game. Uh, your intelligence and your agility will come into play with your roles that you have to perform for certain tasks. And what you're going to do is as you adventure through this house, uh, you will be revealing tiles. Sometimes it's just a room, but most times the tile has a icon on it. And it will either be an event icon, an item icon, or a uh, raven icon, which is an omen. Now, as you progress through the game, you'll be collecting items. You can work together, or you can dare to follow the horror cliche and split up uh, if you want. And what you're going to be doing is, um, if you draw a, ra a raven, which is an omen card, you read the omen card, and you have a haunt track on your while you play. And as you unveil these omens, you will roll a set amount of dice and try to roll under a certain number. If you roll above that certain number, you will reveal the hunt. And what the hunt does is essentially, I don't want to say it possesses you, but what it does is it reveals a traitor. And you have this separate book when you open it that says do not read, which is you know so tempting to read. But every it has a it's a basically a book of stories and what will happen then is there'll be a key inside this book and it will tell you how to figure out who the trader is it'll tell you like who found this item in which room and whoever that player was that person becomes the trader and one of my favorite parts of this game is it literally tells you to send the person out of the room and they get their own story to read and then the remaining players they have their own story as well. So now, instead of just searching through a haunted house, you're now fully into this horror tale 
Um, and you can choose to uh, get into it as much as you want, or you can kind of just read it as a setting. Um, but I kind of I kind of like the idea of you're now in this game of almost like Clue, like you're like Clue the movie, not Clue the game. Uh, <laughs> the good version of Clue. The good version of Clue. So all of a sudden you're into this scenario. There's scenarios from uh, vampires, werewolves, to a house that's flooding, to ghosts. Um, think of it as like Mansions of Madness light. You know, it's it's a very light aspect of that. Um, it's super fun. It's great when you get into it. And now, uh, for those people who like to play competitively, you now have that you now have that option to play against another person instead of just playing against the game itself. Um, it's a great theme for Halloween. It's fun. It's probably. It's an older game. I have second edition. It's practically impossible to find first edition. Um, it's probably my in my top five favorite games that I own, that I've played. I mean, there's room for that to grow, but I love it so much. I can play it at any time of the year. Um, and every person I've introduced it to, not only do they love it, but they frequently ask to play it. Um, it's also one of those games where you can kind of play it after a game, like say if you put in and you play a heavy game and people kind of just want like that aperitif, that after dinner relaxing thing instead of getting into code names or or Cards Against Humanity and they want something a little bit more, a little bit less brainless, this is a kind of a game you can kind of just set up pretty quickly and get a good hour's worth out of it and have fun. So um it's a game for the season, and it's a game I can't recommend highly enough. And it's a great price point. You know, you don't have to worry about spending the eighty dollars that pandemic season two <laughs> costs. Um, but it will be mine someday. <laughs> uh, it is a three-player minimum game. True. Um, you know what? Um, I would. I'm going to guess yes. I will have to double check. Um, but I don't. If, if it was two players, I wouldn't even recommend it um, because then it just becomes a cat and mouse game. Right. And I, I would imagine it's not as fun because a lot of, a lot of times um, you're tasked at attacking other players. And right. if you were, if it was a two player game, I think that the, the trader would have a, a unfair advantage because they sometimes have minions that they control. So yeah, it, it must be three three to six players, maybe three to five. Um, According to the board game geek, it oh, okay. is three to six players. Yeah. Best according to them with five to six. Yeah, for sure. The, the higher, I think it's kind of like seven wonders, the higher player count, the better. Like, gotcha. I don't, I don't like playing seven wonders less than, less than five people. So. Um, no, I hear you. Well, and that's the one, like, I've looked at this game many times, but the reason I've never picked it up is because it's really hard for me to pick up games that can't be played with two people. Yeah, that's thanks, too. I get that. Um, I do like the Betrayal at Baldur's Gate game. I heard um, sometimes instead of just having it one versus all, they it's separated into, like, 2v2 or, or, like, groups in the new one, which I think is cool, but, I mean, that doesn't help your your two-player right. problem but, um, i think it's a it's a cool change on on the uh on the the way it's set up 
Um, yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, I, I really wish that like Skyping gaming was easier to do. Yeah. Cause like, that's something that you could, you could really like exploit to like game groups and people who can't like game together. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, and charter stones, a game I really wanted to get the new, um, legacy style game that's coming out. Um, and I I watched a Dice Tower review, and it, while it is two plus players, they they were like, "Don't play. We don't recommend you play with anyone less than three players." And it's I'm really just trying to find a two player legacy game to play with my wife, and and like because we're still my my wife and my myself started Pandemic Legacy season one with two friends over a year ago. We haven't finished it. And I love legacy games, so I really would like to just get one that the two of us can play. So I think we're still going to jump on Shatterstone. If we have to play uh, an extra character between the two of us, we will. And that might be the same way with Seafall if we have to. But We're considering uh, the same with Seafall because we have Seafall, and it's a three-player minimum. It's a bummer. Yeah, so we're considering doing each playing two players. Yeah, or but, just do, do like a random die generator for the third player. Have it be like an AI character. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of doing random though, because you're um, because random could mean that they'll do things that just make no sense. That's true. Yeah, that's you know, a good point. So, so that's the bummer about it. Is like, well, they could completely be doing things that just. Well, play it like um, just like have me be the player, and then like text me. <laughs> yeah. What Here's would you do? What yeah. would you like to do next? <laughs> just text me. What, what What would you like to do? And I'll be like, oh, okay, well, uh, it'll yeah. be like in the olden days when they had those chess games where they would just like mail letters back and forth with their next yeah. moves. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I hear hear him complaining. It's taken me over a year to play Legacy. <laughs> like a twenty year mission. Awesome. All right. So enough about me. What have you been playing? Well, one of the games I've been playing, you know, you were talking about how Betrayal is, you know, one of your favorite games you own. The game I'm going to talk about is, according to Board Game Geek, just one of the best games anyone can own, uh, which is super exciting. This is a also a two-player only game, actually, um, and that is Seven Wonders Duel, uh, designed by the powerhouse duo of Antoine Boza and Bruno Catala. Uh, this is a two-player over only version, basically, of Seven Wonders. Uh, I enjoy Seven Wonders. I was a big fan of it. Now that I have Seven Wonders Duel, I think I like Seven Wonders Duel even better than Seven Wonders. But that is a different story for a different day. day. <laughs> In this game, you are a ruler over a land trying to build the best civilization possible for your civilians. Each player in this version of the game starts with four wonders that are randomly distributed at the beginning of the game. And these wonders just think basically like the seven wonders of the world, but there's quite a bit more of them. But Pyramid, the Sphinx, like really, you know, big, awesome, cool structures from history that have existed or probably existed. Um, And so each player starts with four of those. And then just through a process of drafting and set collection, you're building your civilization over three separate ages. Now, this does a little bit of a modified draft compared to a game like Seven Wonders or if you've played any collectible card games. You know, typically with drafting, you have a hand of cards, you pick a card, you pass it to the person on your right, you get receive the pack from the person on your left, you pick another card, you just keep passing it around. What Seven Wonders does or Duel does is since it's just a two-player game, rather than passing these cards, you basically are making different shapes with a group of cards that you can then pick a card from 
instead of quote unquote instead of for your drafting rather than packing a pack um rather than passing a pack of cards so like the first one is a pyramid in the in the first row has six cards then five cards and four cards and three cards and two cards working their way up so the first time you go to draft you can only draft one from those six cards at the bottom and then as soon as you draft enough cards that cards above it become open you could then draft those cards so really all you're doing is you're drafting these cards and you're trying to basically build up your civilization. Uh, you can focus if you want to on military, you can focus on science, you can focus on getting resources to build your wonders or other bigger buildings down the road. You can just build buildings and things like that. So you have a lot of different options and a lot of different routes to victory. One thing that makes this game a little bit different than regular Seven Wonders, is since it's only two player, there are immediate victory conditions that if you ever reach them, you just win the game. So if you, there's a, military track basically where you and your opponent are kind of pushing it, this marker back and forth on the track if you push the military track um, marker all the way against your opponent so that you have just dominated them with military you immediately win uh, as soon as you have six of the seven science symbols you know you can win, get an immediate science victory because there's uh, seven different symbols for science when you're drafting these cards and if you but if you fail to do one of those two it's just whoever has the most points at the end of the game is the winner the thing I like about this game better than Seven Wonders is it's much quicker. The drafting, you kind of can plan a little bit ahead as to what's going on. So the game moves very, very quickly. Uh, and there's, in my mind, multiple legitimate ways that you can win. When you're playing Seven Wonders, especially when you get with big groups of people playing like with seven people, it can be fun. But goodness, can that game drag sometimes if you have people who are trying to remember okay, if I build this building, that means I get to build this next building free for the in the next age. And then after that, that leads to this next building in the next age. So I want to make sure I draft this card, but I don't have these. Re like, it can get pretty complicated. Whereas this game is very, very streamlined, very, very simple. It's literally pick a card and then either play it, turn it in for cash, or build something on it, use it to build your wonder, next person's turn, and that's it. Uh, and it's very streamlined, very quick, very efficient really really enjoy it so if you're looking for a solid two-player game even if you've never played seven wonders duel um, i highly recommend or if you've never played regular seven wonders i highly recommend seven wonders duel like i said it is currently i think the number nine ranked game on board game geek board game geek overall so of all games ever made supposedly right now this is the ninth best game ever i don't know if it's the ninth best game ever but it's pretty darn good so i definitely highly recommend seven wonders duel it's pretty great. We're, we're big fans. Have you played the expansion yet, the Pantheon? Uh, no, we haven't, but I have not played it yet. I think the game, I don't I don't think I'd go back to the base game after have, having played it. It's, that is it's, what I've uh, heard. Awesome. I, we did keep them separate in the box, though, and typically I put my expansions with other games, but I, I started learning my lesson with Ascension sets to stop oh, doing yeah. that for a legendary. Legendary. Um, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, it adds it adds god god cards, um, and you draft the god cards too. The, it's okay. called Pantheon. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I heard so many good things about it, and, and we got it. And I didn't think it could be better than Seven Wonders, and I, I do think it's better, um, especially with the way like that. It's like a mahjong style drafting cards. Yeah, and some of them are upside down, so you can't see them right away. Um, and I like it because I like to win. So <laughs> this isn't this isn't where you, this isn't where it sounds like it's going. I like to win. Um, 
when we play games and there's a lot of games I that I kind of just always beat my wife playing. Um, this is a game she's beat me 75% of the time we've played. Mm. Um, and I like it because I feel like it's adding a, a, a new level of, of difficulty for me as well. Um, I don't necessarily know what what is causing my losing, but, um, <laughs> but because it gives you so many options to do science or military or just kind of play the game all out, like as a full game, like there's so it's hard. It's maybe it must be me not being able to focus as much because when I play seven wonders, I can look to my left and look to my right and know if I should build up my military mm-hmm. to get those ex- easy victory points or if I shouldn't even bother and just take my, you know, minus one. Right. But when I'm just sitting across from one person and it becomes this battle between is she going to move the chart so far off that it just kills me in two, two rounds. Like same in, like I really enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. And uh, I think they did a great job with that. And I was looking up, there's some cool promos out for it too, like Stonehenge, which I want to kind of try to find. Yeah, I think it epitomizes the game that is very easy to learn, but very difficult to master because every game you play is different. And every yeah. and every strategy, for the most part, is viable every game. So I, I think it really epitomizes, like, here's exactly what you do. You literally, like, draw a card and play it. Like, that's literally all you're doing. Um, but, the, you know, how you play it is what becomes the mastering part. So... Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Great, great game. Okay. So this is me, right? Board game topic. <laughs> yes, this is you. We'll keep it. Might as well keep it live. <laughs> Do my Bill O'Reilly impression. Uh, so <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> Don't do that one. Okay. Do that one. <laughs> oh, wait, I didn't mean that. I meant the famous YouTube clip, <laughs> not current Bill O'Reilly stuff. Uh, right. So moving on. So this is, so last week, uh, we guys gave you our pitches for, uh, the Catan movie. Uh, as far as I know, I haven't heard anything back from Kyle, but, um, Sony's not knocking down the door, uh, trying to get us to write for them. So, uh, I think we are just going to have to let it be, (laughs) but if you guys, you guys want to share it, Make sure you're telling your friends about the podcast. Maybe uh, maybe there's some Sony execs out there who are bored on a Tuesday afternoon and want to listen to some podcasts. They'll get to us. I'm confident we'll be writing the Catan movie soon. <laughs> uh, but this week we're going to do something a little different. We're going to flip it on its head. And uh, we're going to talk about um, what IP we think should be a board game. Um, so... We a board game can already exist for this property, but uh, what we're going to do is, and I'm assuming that's in here because maybe you specifically have one that exists. No, actually, I don't. I just <laughs> wanted to make sure I wasn't limiting limiting you. So Good. I was like, well, I have it exists. That's cool because you know, like, sure, would I want to make another Buffy board game? Absolutely, but you know, that's one not just what came I'm out picking. today. I know, but that's not what I'm picking. So, <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to give our ideas and um, and. Uh, we want to hear what you guys would like to see as a board game as well. So why don't you guys make sure to hit us up at board with VG 
uh, and let us know what you think a great IP would be for a board game. Actually, I think it doesn't even have to be a film IP. It can be maybe a book or comic series. Yeah, mine's not a movie, so. Okay. Well, I was torn between two, and you know what? They One is a book and a movie, and the other one is has been a comic series, but it's also a TV show and a, and a series of films, so I... You tell me what you want me to pitch to you, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to pitch. Do you think Dune would make a better board game, or the Evil Dead series, more specifically Ash versus the Evil Dead or Army of Darkness style game? Because um, I have ideas for both. <laughs> I feel like I could be making this up. Wasn't the isn't there a Dune game being made, or didn't one just come out not that long ago? No, I've, I I think so, but I have yet to see it exist. Right. So, I mean, obviously within the rules, we could do that, but I want to hear what your Evil Dead game would be. Since we're recording on a Halloween, there we what, go. Okay. what is your Evil Dead game? So more specifically, it would be in the Army of Darkness universe, right? And it would take, it would take this one versus many um, style of game, one versus all, but it would turn it into... Um, uh, it would be more of the lines of a, a 1v1, 2v2 style kind of game. And what what would the premise would be, if you're not familiar with Army of Darkness or the Evil Dead series, is Bruce Campbell plays a character named Ash. Um, I'm not going to tell the whole story because we could be here all night. Uh, but what happens is... We have to keep this to an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> At some point in the film, in Army of Darkness, uh, Ash splits into two, and you have evil Ash. Okay, so that's where this game basically would take place. So someone is would control Ash and his army of uh, nitwit soldier townspeople, and then this other person would play evil Ash and the Dites. And what you would have would be an area control style game uh, where you're starting on, uh, let's call it, let's compare it to like risk. However, you're you have set starting points, and you're starting on different ends of the board. Um, and your goal is to build your army up to strength while having specific character abilities. So like, Ash would be stronger against certain deadites, and evil Ash would be stronger against Ash's ego. And things like that, where you would have this the comic story play out on this uh, area movement game. So I'm picturing like if, if you're familiar with the Game of Thrones board game or even Small World, like a map similar to that. Um, and as you progress through the maps, you'll still be fighting off um, local life. So if you're Ash and the good guys, you're fighting maybe some random deadites coming out of the ground or some witches. Uh, if you're evil Ash, you're fighting off random settlements of uh, farms folk or soldier caravans or, or you know, uh, dug-in soldiers. And as you're progressing, it's all leading up to this big, potentially big fight in the middle of this map or maybe all the way to the one side of one person's map. Um, that's what I'm thinking for the game. I didn't see all the mechanics of like, uh, I'm thinking taking like the die rolling from like risk. So you're rolling an attack against a defense. 
um, with the ability, obviously, for power ups and, and such. But uh, I think it's a, um, I, with, I guess I would consider it like in the horror category. You don't necessarily have to like lump it into that, but um, I think it's like an untapped uh, resource. Like if you look on Kickstarter right now, the Resident Evil 2 uh, board game, it's like like a thousand percent funded. It's like a yeah, ninety dollar game. <laughs> it's insane. So there's definitely there's definitely an audience for this kind of stuff. Um, I don't know how many of that is a J- Japanese audience that's getting that price up there because obviously Resident Evil is huge in Japan. Um, but I know like with the success of Ash versus the Evil Dead on on Stars and. And this crazy cult following that evil that we'll always have. Um, it's something I would certainly want to get my hands on. Uh, there's a game called Last Friday. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's it's uh, basically it's Jason without the license, and you play oh. Jason, and it's a hidden movement game, and it okay. takes place over this huge camp. And if you look at the board, it has like hundreds of little tiles. Mm-hmm. Where you you someone plays people play campers and one person plays Jason. Right. So like, I see these kinds of games and I think like I'm always thinking like, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness. Throw some comedy in there, make it a little bit less serious. But um, that's what I'm thinking. Area control. Get to play as the heroes. You can do a single one like a two player game, or make it so. Uh, you can do like 2v2. I'm thinking like I haven't even played it yet, but the um, Star Wars Rebellion is supposedly one of the best two-player games you can get out there, but it mm-hmm. also plays up to four because you can have two on the Rebel side and two on the Empire side. So right. um, I'm kind of thinking that same idea, but uh, I don't know. Something about it just gets me like pumped to, to see. I think I, I would... I would be a big fan of of that style of game. That sounds awesome. That sounds really cool. So, <clears throat> my my recommendation. I, I've thought about the like this game and like this series and making it into a board game for a long time. The th- the problem of thinking about this for so long is that you, what is in my head as to what this would be is like if I ever even remotely was like I'm going to try designing the game. This would be way too much for me ever ever do. Like I would never be capable of designing this game because there's just too much stuff in it but um the series i'm looking at there's a book series um that's called the demon cycle have you ever heard of it i have not okay so it's by an author named peter brett uh and it like the first book is called the warden man and then the desert spears the second one the daylight wars the third one but the the long and short of it is these people live in a world that during the day life is you know as normal as it can be but at night, these demons come out from the ground. So depending on where the demons spawn depends on the type of demon that it is. So like sand has sand demons and like the forest have like these wooden rock demons. And, and so there's different type of demons that spawn depending on, you know, what Terra is around there. Sure. In order to fight off these demons, um, there is magic in this world that is based off of these wards. And these wards are like carved into like fences and houses and all of these things to protect the people from the demons in the, at night. Now, there's prophecy that a 
person called the Deliverer is going to come and basically save and have this daylight or to save the people um, from these demons. And I don't want to spoil anything if you're going to read the book, but there's a few people who get thought that they are the Deliverer and they're kind of at odds with each other while they're also trying to like fight off these demons. So that's the general premise of the world. You're introduced to a ton of characters. Um, but my idea for the board game would be, it actually would be a threefold board game. There's three ways you can play it. You can play it like um, competitively against each other in the sense of uh, you, there's multiple characters in the book, two who are really focused on being like this deliverer, but there are other characters who are very powerful in this book series that you could say, well, maybe they're vying for being the deliverer as well. So each player could control one of these characters during the day, um, be doing, you know, kind of like RPGs do in video games of like, hey, I'm going to do these tasks or these small quests to get loot, to get whatever I need so I can make my big journey um, to, you know, go fight this final big battle. And the first character who's able to successfully do that is the person who's victorious. The cool thing about the all the concepts for this game, though, is like during the day, there's a day-night cycle in it. So during the day, you're out doing these things, but then you either have to get to safety or depending on where you are on the board at night, be ready to fight off these demons that are going to come for you. So that's one way that you can be played is just that completely versus. Um, the other big way that it could be played would be as like a co-op dungeon crawl where you take the, you know, one person who is the seems to be the quote unquote good guy um, and form a party around that person. And then you are going through like these storybook quests for this person to become the deliverer um, and, and try to work through all of that. Uh, and then the third way would be a um, one versus many where there are obviously um, for the um, demons, they have obviously a leader and all of those things. You could have one person being that demon leader, moving the demons across the board um, and basically in that final fight. Um, and then you have the other players playing all of these warriors going against that and trying to do the best that they can to be victorious. So that's my idea that my series, the book series, I highly recommend if you enjoy fantasy, it's a definite, it's very different fantasy. Um, yeah, there's demons in it, but you don't have the high fantasy that we see most, you know, that's very popular these days. So I really recommend the book series. It's really well written. Um, but I think from a board game perspective, it just seems like it'd be so cool to me. Yeah. Nice. So that's my pitch. Nothing wrong with that. That's a, that sounds like the picture of a fan. That's that's what you, that's what you want, right? <laughs> that's cool. What was the series called again? I want to. Uh, the series is called the Demon Cycle. Uh, the Demon author Cycle. is Peter Brett. Peter Brett. Very cool. Cool. Okay. I'm in. That sounds like a. Fun. I like I like games where you get options of how to play. I like that where you can play multiple ways or like game boards that come with multiple sides where you can play different aspects. So that's a, that's a cool idea. You should email the guys who do that. Like, hey, <laughs> hey I thought of this idea. idea. Just give me some credit for it, but go make this game now. Yeah. <laughs> Just so I can play it. <laughs> All right. So uh, we had a number of uh, um, requests for like holiday guides coming up for board games. Like, uh, obviously, we're, we're I, would, I would hate to say we're coming up to the holiday shopping season. I'm pretty sure we're in it. I mean, yeah, uh, we're almost scary. November. Whew. That's scary to me. Um, so, so uh, Kyle and I will keep that in mind. And I'm sure for the next uh, few episodes coming up, that'll be, uh, those will be our topics, uh, whether it's uh, games we think you should be playing or 
maybe even top 10 lists or, or, or what have you. I mean, I think we've covered a, a pretty, since we've started, I think we've covered majority family games. Um, we have. As well. So uh, maybe we can get into some heavier games for people who are looking for something new or challenging or whatever. So, um, yeah. Uh, if you guys have a specific game you want us to cover, uh, we already had a request from Mason Mystics, but um, if there's anything else, let us know. Uh, we're up for it for the most part, as long as we're not breaking our our bank to get into it. You know, we may already have it, or one of us may already have it. So um, you know where to find us, right? Board with VG. I mean, we, we say it like 15 times an episode, <laughs> so I hope you guys get it. I won't spell it for you because... I trust you guys know by now. It's also in the name of this podcast feed. So just look at your phone or your computer. <clears throat> Pardon me. All right. So that wraps up our analog talk for the week yet again. So uh, I know what you're going to say, but tell the good people what you've been playing on the video game front. So there are a few games I could talk about. But uh, the Nintendo Shack has served us with a cease and desist order to <laughs> because of how we talked about Zelda last week. So we're basically oh, not allowed to talk about Nintendo anymore. So we'll I'm not going to talk on anything. <laughs> I know. So I'm not going to talk about how much I love Mario because I don't want to sway anybody's opinion on that game. Instead, I'm going to talk about this other game that is, I would say, maybe even equally as awesome, and that is Wolfenstein II: The New Colossus. Now. There are going to be many, many times in this podcast where we're not playing, you know, the newest, hottest games. But this is one of those times where I am playing one of the newest, hottest games, and I am in love with this game. I have put probably about seven hours into it at this point. The action is intense. The story is both depressing and sad, yet hopeful and funny. It is a real accomplishment what Machine Games has done with this game. Uh, if you aren't familiar, obviously this is the second installment in the rebooted, for lack of a better word, Wolfenstein series um, following up, man, the New Order slash the Old Blood, right? The New Order was the game, yeah, the Old Blood was the DLC. Yeah, old blood, yeah. um, so following up that, it starts immediately after where the first game left off. I'm not going to tell you anything else about the story, but it starts there. And the first half hour of this game, extremely intense. Some of the most intense gaming I have done, period. Uh, nice. is how this game kicks off really sets the tone for what to expect. And it's brutal and heartfelt all at the same time. Like, the characters are great. The storytelling is wonderful. They basically took everything that they had done in the first game and cut out all the not great stuff and just refined all of the good stuff into a really exceptional experience. If this game finishes like it has played thus far, uh, I, I'm pretty confident this is going to find my, itself on my top five games of the year. It wow. is, you know, one of those games that it's, you know, probably 14 or 15 hours to finish. It is a full $60 game. But I think that, you know, the care and uh, that Machine Games has for this title and for this franchise is, is on full display. And you can definitely see it when you're playing it. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. If you are a fan of shooters and enjoy that, I recommend it. If you are a fan of good storytelling in games, I recommend it. Like I said, it is violent. One cool thing that I will say that they do, though, with that is that in almost all of the scenes where there's something super intense going on, 
you still have camera control so you can look away. So oh, when yeah. there is, yeah, so there's, there was one scene where I couldn't that I wanted to, um, which we'll talk about maybe someday when the game's been <laughs> out for a while, um, because everybody's going to be like, that was the scene that you were really upset by. Um, but there are some other scenes that happen and that are, I mean, there are just like some brutal things going on, but you can turn and look away. So you don't have to watch it happen um, in some of the other cutscenes that I've been a part of. So uh, it's interesting how they give you that option. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's cool for them to do that. But uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. And if you haven't played the first one, I recommend playing it because it, it is a great game. But they do do a recap video at the very beginning of this game to kind of catch Indeed. you up to speed. Uh-huh. Yeah, they do do. Yeah, there is a <laughs> there is a recap video at the beginning to catch you up. So don't feel obligated to play the first. I would encourage you to, though, because it is good. Uh, but this one, I think, definitely is just polished better on every level. It is hard. It is not an easy game. I have died a lot. I'm playing on the middle difficulty. Uh, but I haven't ever felt like... I've never gotten frustrated when I've died. I've never felt that it was unfair. It just asks a lot of you uh, when you're playing uh, and your first-person shooting abilities. Uh, but there are some stealth options. You can do that if you want to as well. Uh, and you can always just turn down uh, the difficulty because, like I said, the story is is quite incredible. So highly recommend Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Josh... Awesome. What have you been playing, sir? Well, I haven't picked up Mario. <laughs> but I wanted to many times this weekend. Uh, I get that fear of missing out hitting me pretty hard with all these awesome stellar reviews of Mario. So uh, I'll pick that up eventually. Uh, instead, I picked up Assassin's Creed Origins. Have you found any hippos yet? No, I, I haven't. Oh. I haven't even seen any hippos yet, what? unfortunately. Uh. Because I realized, before I even get into the game, I realized like when I used to play the Assassin's Creed games, I would have so much time on my hands to really explore the world, you know, without like <laughs> in the background all the time. Kids, what are you going to do? Yeah. So at least with Destiny, like with Destiny 2, I can come home at late at night and, it's, you know, it's a little brainless to say, to like not to insult the game, but like I can sit down and just shoot things um, and not, you know, have to be super aware of everything and I can kind of be tired. Uh, with Assassins, I, I like to sit a little bit closer to the TV. I like to make sure I can, if I can't hear them, I can read what they're saying. Um so I haven't put in as much time as I have wanted to, but I will still put some more time in. My wife just told me today she's going to see Evanescence on Sunday, so I'll have some time Sunday to myself. Um, so that's what I'll probably be doing. But, uh, yeah, I've been playing Origins. I posted some pictures on social media, so you can follow me on at Josh Bones on Twitter. I posted more pictures, but I shared a picture today on our, our Instagram for board with VG and uh, the game is beautiful. It's, 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 it's so much prettier than it, than it deserves to be. It looks so good. I can't even imagine what it's going to look like on the Xbox one X or even what it looks like on the PS4 pro. Like it looks incredible. So right off the bat, they did a great job uh, with, that. have you, sorry to interrupt. Have you had any issues with like texture pop in or anything like that? No, but I've seen some people have had issues, but okay. 
I haven't seen any glitches yet. Um, there was like a half a second of a wonky uh, character interaction, like with an eye mm-hmm. bobble, but it was very, very subtle. I just happened to notice it, but it wasn't bad at all. No, I, I always just, because I feel like Assassin's Creed especially, like if there's any ever any little issue, it becomes like so amplified in the community that I never know like, how serious of an issue is this really? Oh, right. You know, right. so that's why I ask. Not that I think it's happening. Just I, I wonder, like, I'm sure it's there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's there. There's so much going on. Like, uh, it happens. God help me, Donnie. But it even happens in Breath of the Wild, where sometimes you walk into an area, and the grass is coming into focus because it wasn't it wasn't in your in your in your world yet. You know, it's yeah. in, it happens in every game. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it'll happen in this game because there's so much. With so little, like the desert, so little of it, you, you'd be amazed at how much details in this game. Even just walking into a tired-looking, like, shanty town, the little bit of grass and weeds that are there, there's, there's a lot of detail in that. So they do a great job. It's inc- the game looks incredible. Uh, the story, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I'm liking it so far. Uh, you, know, you you can't. I don't really have a grasp on what's going on yet, like the full picture. But um, the main character, I want to say, is Bayek, um, and I could be butchering that. Um, I like it's great. I like this. I like him uh, as a character. Uh, there's like subtle hints to the animus. And if you know the lore, like the golden apple and all this kind of stuff, there's a little like some Easter eggs in there if you catch them. Um, <clears throat> you really do use the eagle like a like a drone, which is pretty cool. It helps you like identify targets on missions. Um, and the combat is totally redesigned, which I am a fan of, but it's taken me some time to get used to because in the old Assassin's Creed, I'm just used to jumping into a room full of 50 guys and handily, you know, dispatching them all with the, with the Y button, you know, like, <laughs> Ooh, Perry dead, Perry dead. This one I dive, I've died a few times already just from two guys. Like and they run up right on you and they're already shielded and guarding better than I am. And I'm not using the stealth the way I'm supposed to be doing it. So I have, I have more opportunity, but, um, in the interest of time, I will tell you, this is the first Assassin's Creed game since Assassin's Creed 3 that I am comfortable saying that I love. And I've only put a little bit of time into this one. Um, but I think that the, the extra time they put into this game, it, it's it's well worth it so far. Um, that could be... That could change. Who knows? But... <laughs> Have you I mean, seen the Assassin's Creed movie? You know, I haven't. It's on HBO Go now. It is. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you this, and I'm, I know I'm in the minority in, in this. I love the Desmond storyline of Assassin's Creed video games. I love the real world stuff. Mm-hmm. So I know when like this movie was coming out, people were up in arms like we don't want to see him in real life i know that it wasn't like well received 
I know Coach Mo loved it. Um, I'm not really too familiar. I'm not sure if anybody else has seen it. Have you seen it? Uh, I know Nathan liked it. I think he said, I think liked. I watched it on HBO. Uh, I wish they had done more in the old time. Not because I am so opposed to the present day, but because I felt like that world in the movie was better realized. Like the action was better. Like how they hand the stunts were pretty incredible for some of those things. So I felt that that part of the movie was just better than the present day stuff was. And the present day stuff was, and I guess a lot of people would say that's true for the video games too, but this for me didn't have anything to do with that. Um, So the movie was fine. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did, but I thought the stuff that they did when he was in the animus and going back, I thought was really well done and really cool and fun to watch. And, but there just wasn't, I was hoping for more of it. Cool. I'll check it out. My wife wants to watch it too. I mean, I liked for for what it's worth. I liked the the Gyllenhaal Prince of Persia movie, and I know that. <laughs> yeah, and I know that was a garbage movie, but I I just uh, liked it for entertainment value, just like the Clash of the Titans uh, movies. Yeah, sure, I can see that. I liked them. I enjoyed yeah. them, but yeah. So, I mean, I'm on board. I'll probably enjoy it just because I love Fastbender and and. Uh, I don't know. I like the story, so we'll see. But yeah, it's definitely on my. I'll watch it. But they just added Split over the weekend, so I know. I, I'm so stoked to watch. I think that. I need to watch that first. So agreed. That's probably what I watch. <laughs> awesome. Well, I also I have uh, AC Origins. I haven't opened it yet though, because I have to finish Wolfenstein first. But I'll probably be talking about that one in a few weeks. Nice. So, video game topic of the show. It was announced earlier today that Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, affectionately known as PUBG or Pubbage, depending on who you talk to, uh, is coming to Xbox Game Preview on December 12th. So it is hitting that year, this this year, like they said, uh, for the very respectable price of $29.99, like it is on PC. Uh, you can already pre-order it. So if you want to pre-order on Best Buy or Amazon, you can get that 20% discount for pre-ordering. So it makes it like $24. Uh, but right now, it's only digital codes. So you know they did talk about, and they have announced that there will be you know a full retail release for this game. But it looks like that the shiny disc will only come when the game is fully out and not in uh, in game preview. So this also this early rendition of the game will sub- support HDR, but 4K will be coming down the line a little bit later for the folks who are picking up the Xbox One X between now and then. Josh, are you excited to play some PUBG? I, I am. Um, <laughs> but speaking of game preview. I don't know. I don't know if you were in Discord, but I just want to share some breaking news Uh-oh. before we go on with PUBG. Uh, I'm a backer. I'm a Kickstarter backer for a Mutant Football League. Oh yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is the new Mutant League football. Mm-hmm. Um, they just announced it's coming to Xbox Live Games Preview Friday. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I don't know if that's just for the Kickstarter backers or for everybody, um, but I will be getting it Friday. Hot scoops. So, and it's going to be in the uh, preview program for three months. Oh, dang. It'll sell the console launch for both PS4 and Xbox. So uh, let's get back to PUBG. But I just wanted, I've been, <laughs> I've been sitting on that. I was going to, I didn't know when I was going to drop it. And then uh, I figured since you brought up games preview, I'd bring it up. Um, PUBG, yes. Okay, so I've had to survive with Fortnite so far. Um, just to get my fix, because I've been watching people play um, Player Unknown. 
mm-hmm. uh, on YouTube and Twitch and whatnot for the past few months. I didn't really know what it was right away. Uh, it kind of hit me like kind of the H1Z1 phase hit me. Right. Like you, if you ever watch Kotaku's like clips of the weeks or whatever, you just right. see like random people doing stupid crap in the game. And you're like, what is this game that people are playing? So originally that's how it started. And then eventually my buddy convinced me to get H1Z1 King of the Hill, which we were King of the Kill, whatever it's called. King of the Kill. Yeah. King of the Kill. And then I played that and I really liked the idea. Um, but I didn't think it was fully fleshed out. So once I saw people playing um, Battlegrounds, uh, I really, it really hit that. I don't know if you, if you felt the same way, but it really hit that Hunger Games uh, mm-hmm. um, feeling for me. And as a huge fan of the books and the movies, I was like, yes, this game is for me. I'm pumped. So, yeah, December 12th, I will be playing this game uh, with whoever wants to play. I'm very excited. I <laughs> with know 99 other of... people. You'll be playing yeah. it with 99 other people. <laughs> but I know we get a bunch of other people in our Discord chat that are excited to, to play it. Um, and... You know, I feel for the guys right now because right now there's their thunders being stolen um, by Fortnite. Like, and these guys are very, very frustrated with it. I mean, I see their point a little bit, but they kind of need to move on and focus on their game because all I hear now is um, they're having issues with their servers and their PC game. And like, if you're going to launch this on Xbox One, um, you need to just iron those details out. Stop worrying about Fortnite. Stop worrying about what that what they're doing over there. Um, I know that this is going to have a, um, a a new map when it launches on the Xbox. Yep. Um, that's awesome. I think that's great. Um, I don't know what what this is an Xbox One exclusive, so I don't know what uh, what PS4 is going to do. I'm sure they'll be fine, <laughs> uh, but. I think it's great, and I think that the preview it's gonna it's gonna be great for the preview program because while Player Unknown is a constantly evolving game and learning from its players, this is exactly the environment it needs to be in. Like, I think that's why you're not gonna see a physical release for the game because it's one of those games like you're constantly getting updates weekly. That's really the only thing I'm worried about is hard drive space on the Xbox for this game because if they're dropping one to five gigabyte updates or patches weekly, monthly, whatever the case, I mean, that's tough, especially for people who have Destiny. They know what that's like. Right. Yeah, I think that um, I think they have said that when the game is fully released, it will have a physical disc release and i think there's still even though once this game comes out like you said like i think that this is a game that is going to regularly get content updates and patches and all that stuff so i i think the the desire to have that physical release is just to get it in front of people for people to see it when they're walking through a store and be like oh i've heard of that or i've seen that before or what's this thing that's going on um you know and i think the (laughs) i couldn't find it i was trying to find the tweet um (laughs) that said it i just can't find it now but it was from someone at Microsoft who talked about how uh, PUBG was a console exclusive for Microsoft this holiday season. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, and like, I think 
for most people know that like at this point it is a it, at some point it's coming to PS4 it's just when um, yeah, unless yeah. you know they're able to to lock out that exclusivity for longer and I'm excited for Xbox players so I think this is a great get for them this is gonna be an awesome time for uh, awesome thing for them to to play over the holidays and you know I, I think that this is a really cool thing I've played Fortnite uh, I'm okay I think it's fine I don't love it I don't hate it I like playing it in squads. I don't like playing it alone. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of always been my thought process with, uh, I think, PUBG too. Like, I, I watch people play PUBG, and I think it looks fun to watch, and I have fun watching people play it. I don't know if it's a game I would really ever play by myself. Um, I'm not a big yeah. fan of multiplayer games by myself, period. Like, I, I don't jump into even Overwatch, which is a game I love. I almost never jump in by myself to play Overwatch. Or when I played a lot of Call of Duty, I never played it by myself. Yeah. Um, so I think it, you know, in duos or squads would definitely be how I play it, but this is a huge get. This is awesome. And I'm really happy that it is going to be out and available to play before the end of the year. Um, because this is something, you know, for, you know, the people who are picking up the one X or for people who are getting an Xbox, you know, just jumping in, looking at those black Friday deals, like this makes it a lot more enticing for people. You know, the Coles ad came out already. It was leaked already. And, uh, Xbox mm-hmm. one S is going to be 190 <laughs> bucks. Wow. Um, you know, so they're going to be affordable. It's going to be a, a, an easy and good time to get in at a good price. And, you know, I I won't be playing it because I don't have an Xbox. I'm not planning to buy an Xbox. But I'm very excited for people who have one because this seems awesome. Um, anything else you want to see about PUBG, Josh? No, I mean, as an Xboxer, we need content. So, <clears throat> and I say that with uh, with a... Uh, with humility because you know there was a time where the xboxers were king of the world and now it's a prince and the pauper situation we are we are grasping for scraps well i think the i think the good thing is though that no matter what console family or where you play like there are great games to play period like Yes. You look at the things that everything that's released this fall, the vast majority of it, other than some Nintendo exclusive stuff, the vast majority of things this fall are cross console. Um, and there, there's a lot of great things to play. So I think, yeah, maybe, you know, PS4 has a few quirky games that you're not going to get on the Xbox One, but Xbox has, you know, some of those big hitters that PlayStation's just never going to be able to compete with. You know, PlayStation's yeah. not going to have a Halo or a Gears or, or anything oh, like that. So forget those guys. Nintendo's killing it right now. Oh, right? man, Nintendo. Whoo! <sighs> It is okay. good to be Nintendo and a Nintendo fan right now, absolutely. And I know we didn't talk at all about Paris Games Week. I was super excited about that show from um, PlayStation. I know there has been a lot of controversy about it well, overall. About yeah. yeah, well, about one thing. Overall, thing. well, a couple, two things, actually, <laughs> two things, if you're really into it. Um, overall, though, I thought it was a great showing. I'm excited for um, the new stuff that they showed. Uh, especially yeah, yeah Concrete, they did a great job. Yeah, especially Concrete Genie. That game looks sweet. Oh, see, not for me. Oh, see, I, I love that stuff. That's one of the reasons I've always been drawn to PlayStation is weird stuff like that. So what do you say we wrap this this show up and call her a night? Sounds good. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, if that wasn't – I mean, I think I'm going to go right up against Fluxibars for Awkward Finish because – there's nothing smooth about any of my transitions. <laughs> we'll get there. So, we'll get there. It's okay. So Jason and Lucas, I'm coming for you. <laughs> and I'm coming fast. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> you can find us on social media on uh, at board with VG. 
uh, B-O-A-R-D. Again, we're going to keep driving this in. Uh, if you guys, I want to see if anyone has spelled it wrong. I want you to share that story with us. If you spelled it B-O-R-E-D, uh, fess up. Let us know. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Josh Bones on Twitter. Uh, please check out Board with VG on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to get Kyle to post some pictures of the games he's playing because right now it's pretty It's all you. Sorry. You're, you are you definitely even in the way just, there. Just message me. Take a picture and send it to me, and I'll post it. <laughs> um, we're doing great, though. I'm, I'm really happy with our following. So if you guys want to start sending us pictures, I want to see what you're playing. Um, honestly... If I see a game that you're playing that I think looks cool, it's only going to entice me to get it and talk about it. Um, uh, and I love to buy games, as you guys can tell. I post a lot of pictures of games I haven't played yet. Um, so that's all I'm going to really plug for me. Uh, I want to hear uh, where we can find you, Kyle. Well, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, if you want to see pictures of the food I make and my cute dogs. Uh, the PlayStation Network and Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. If you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on social media and let us know, hey, you guys should talk about this. It'd be great. And we will do our best to do that for you. As always, remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. has been a production of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Find more great content at PlaySomeVideoGames.com.